Welcome, binaural beasts, to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers Electronic Storytime. Tonight's story is the stroke of midnight. Now look yourselves clean as I turn you over to the Brimble Banks Brothers themselves, Bentley and Jameson Brimble Banks. Her mother's name was Marigold. That's what the people called her. That is what the people named her. That's what I said. No, you said that's what the people called her. But as is so often the case, what the people named their cat and what people called their cat were quite different things. They named her Marigold, but they called her Ms. Chubby Tums, Litter Squats, her Meowany Granger, and of course, Kitty. It doesn't matter. This story isn't even about Marigold. Still, best to get one's facts straight. Thank you. Her mother's name was Marigold, though the people called her all sorts of other stupid things. Her father was wild, untamed, and unnamed by humans. Papa was a rolling stone, as they say. She was the last of five born in her litter, with a brother and a sister who were both orange and cream-colored. Another brother was light grey with darker grey stripes, and there was a sister who was brown with white socks and one white ear. The kitten's bright green eyes had come from her mother. Perhaps the pure black fur had been inherited from her father, but she would never see him, and no one would ever say. The kittens, as a whole, were not wanted by the people who owned Marigold. They had purchased little stick figure stickers to place on the back window of their minivan, a little stick man, a little stick woman, and a little stick cat. They had no intention of buying more stickers. Except perhaps for one that read, I'd rather be spelunking. Yes, but I meant as far as stick figure stickers go. Still, best to get one's facts straight. They put a sign out by the gate that read, Free Kittens, and hoped that would rid them of their new burden. Marigold herself was never consulted about whether she was interested in keeping her children. Technically speaking, the entire group was a set of quintuplets, but the two orange cream cats that everyone called the twins were the first to go. The matching set were snatched up the very first day the sign went up, one in each hand, and taken to a home where there was also a matching set of orange-haired children with matching clothes and rhyming names that would confuse teachers and casual acquaintances for the rest of their lives. Two days later, a father and his young girl came to select one of the kittens. Pick which one you want, sweetheart. The bravest of the remaining trio, the black cat stood up, walked over, and rubbed her face against the little girl's ankles. I want this kitty. No, you don't want that one. Black cats are bad luck, sweetie. Here, how about this nice brown and white kitty? The father picked up the brown and white kitten and placed it in his daughter's arms. It looked up at the girl and yawned. And that was that. The black and grey kittens had a few more days of snuggling together while they slept and rolling around atop each other when they were awake until another stranger came to inquire about the free kittens. She reached into the cardboard box they were sleeping in and stroked each of them gently. The black cat and her grey brother looked up at the lady and meowed. The woman took a small rectangle out of her pocket and pointed it down at the cats. She pressed a button and then looked at the rectangle closely. Hmm, the black cat hardly shows up in the picture at all. 
I don't see that helping me get likes on Instagram. Her brothers and sisters all gone, that night the black cat huddled close to her mother and cried. Marigold licked her daughter's head until she closed her bright green eyes and finally drifted off to sleep. Days and then weeks passed. Visitors would occasionally appear at the home inquiring about the kittens, but they would all murmur something about not what I was looking for, or bad luck, and leave empty-handed. This was all fine as far as the black cat was concerned. She would much rather stay with her mother than be carted off by some stranger anyway. But as the weeks passed, it became clearer and clearer to Marigold's owners that no one would be adopting the nameless black kitten. Pulled away from her mother in the night, a quick car ride deep into the city and deposited on a dark street corner. Good luck, the person said. It was the first time she had ever heard the word good before the word luck. The door closed, the car drove off, and the black cat was left alone as the rain began to fall. She cried for her mother well into the night, but no answer ever came. After some time, she felt ice in the rain, but was too afraid to even try to find shelter. What if she was gone when they came back for her? After some time, she heard a rustling behind her. There, emerging from the shadows down the alley, was the largest cat she had ever seen, easily twice the size of her mother Marigold. It had long, shaggy black and grey fur that waved slowly in the wind. On its face were weird white markings that almost seemed to suggest another face. The cat was impossibly thin and sauntered toward her very slowly. The mysterious grim cat sat down and stared at the black cat through red eyes. It raised its right paw and extended one long, white, curved claw in the direction of the black cat. It opened its mouth and it spoke. One down, eight to go. And with that, the wind picked up again. The black cat closed her eyes to shield them from the cold blast. And when she reopened them, the strange cat had vanished. Fear and shock had kept her glued to the very spot she'd been abandoned for most of the night. But come the daylight, hunger motivated her to begin moving. She crept cautiously and nervously down the street as its human residence began to stir. A man emerged down the steps of his residence. Hoping he might be friendly, the kitten hurried up to walk alongside of him and then matched his pace. He looked down at her, and a nervous expression took hold on his face. His eyes remained locked with her big green orbs as they both continued walking. Her whiskers would warn her of any danger, but surely this was no way to proceed for a whiskerless human. She tried to warn him, but her attempt at communication only made him whimper nervously, right before walking directly into a light pole. The man fell backward onto his rump and then back. She wondered why he hadn't spun around to land on his paws. He touched his forehead and saw a small spot of blood. Concerned, the kitten ran over to see if he was okay. Bad luck! I knew you were bad luck! Frightened by the yelling, the kitten ran off quickly, wondering how it made any sense to blame her for his clumsiness. There was a man nearby on a ladder washing a window. Hoping he might be able to help the first man, the kitten placed her front paws on the bottom rung of the ladder and called up to him. <coughs> the black cat! In his superstitious stupor, 
the window washer forgot he was 12 feet up in the air, attempted to sidestep to avoid the black cat crossing his path, and tumbled headfirst into an open garbage pail. <laughs> Alarmed by all the clanging, the black cat turned and darted away. She ran into the street where a nearby driver swerved. His tire seemed to be coming right at her. She tensed up and closed her eyes as she winced. The car crashed into the same light pole the clumsy gentleman had walked into earlier. The driver leaned out of the window and shook his fist at her. You stupid black cat! The light pole creaked and then fell on top of the car before rolling off and landing on the leg of the clumsy man, still lying on the ground next to it. The black kitten ran and ran again and did not look back at the chaos behind her. Next to her, the grim cat with the unusual facial markings appeared again. Seven. was all it said before disappearing once more. When she finally stopped her rest, she could not help but wonder. Could it be true what they said about her? Was she really the cause of all the calamity that had just transpired? Was she really bad luck? As she was wondering this, a pair of silver boots stepped right in front of her. She looked up at the person attached to them. It was a tall man in a suit of deep burgundy. The suit had no collar and was fastened with a series of bright silver buttons. The man looked down at her. One of his eyes was covered by a burgundy eye patch that matched his suit. The remaining eye was a piercing pale blue. His hair was pitch black like her own, save for two white streaks that started at his temples and curved backward from there. The man bent down and reached to pick up the kitten with his black leather-clad gloves. He hoisted her up to the height of his eye and studied her closely. Yes. Yes, you will do perfectly. <laughs> Whoa, what the heck is up with that dude? Let's not find out right now. Let's find out after this word from our sponsor. Does this keep happening to you? You log into Facebook and... Ugh, my whole feed is full of cat photos. You pop over to Instagram and... More cat photos? You check out your favorite pornographic distribution site and... Even more cat photos. Ugh. Sounds like you need cat blogger. Cat Blocker? What's that? Cat Blocker is the safe and simple new program you can install on your computer or mobile device to block all unwanted cat photos and cat videos from the sites you visit online. Wow, that sounds great. How does it work? Once you install Cat Blocker onto your preferred browser, it will scan all websites you visit and replace any cat photos on that site with one of several images of your choosing. Oh. What are some of the choices? Cat pictures can be replaced with pictures of any of the following. Catapults, Catfish, Yusuf Islam, President James A. Garfield, President Andrew Garfield, Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, Eartha Kitt, a Kit Kat bar, the Cats and Jammer Kids, T.S. Eliot, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Dr. Katz, Michelle Pfeiffer, Katmandu, Halle Berry, Anne Hathaway, Al Stewart, or a catalytic converter. Great. And what about videos of cats? All videos of cats will be replaced with the music video of David Bowie and Mick Jagger singing Dancing in the Street. Oh, uh, 
Okay, uh, well, what do I have to do? It's easy. All you have to do is log into the CapLocker website, set up an account with a unique login ID, password, personal identification number, and upload a photo of yourself. Then just enter your credit card and or PayPal information. Once your initial payment has been confirmed, your device will download the CapLocker program. Next, strip naked in front of a mirror and scream profanities at yourself while running the 14-step installation process. Once installed, turn off your device and cradle it in your still naked arms while lying on your side for 25 minutes. Next, remember your saddest memory from childhood, but do not cry as you reboot the computer. Wash your hands in the blood of a sacrificed virgin goat, and then you're all set. Now you can surf the web 100% cat-free, except for those weird cats with no hair, because no matter what we try to do, we cannot block them. Nothing can stop them. It's as easy as that. You're as easy as that. <laughs> That's for sure. Thanks, cat blocker. <laughs> We now return you to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic storytime presentation of The Spy Who Loved Meow. Struggle all you like, Mr. Clamp. I think you will find yourself completely unable to break your bonds. You are now a prisoner of Yahtzee. What does that stand for? Young adult hateful terrorists zapping espionage enemies. You're not that young. I was when we started this organization. If I could find your secret hideout, Professor Nine, other agents of Bro will be able to do the same. What does Bro stand for? Nothing. We just think it sounds cool. It does not sound cool. And if they do find us, they will meet the same fate you are about to meet. You sick freak. Are you just going to sit there and keep stroking that evil black cat while your laser beam cuts me in half? I wish I could, but I am a very busy man, Mr. Clamp. I must attend to other matters. But I will leave my feline companion here to supervise in my stead. <laughs> Before leaving the room, Professor Nine flipped a switch to activate the laser. The bright red beam hit the bottom of the table, right between the feet of the man that was bound to it. The black cat felt instincts deep within her telling her to run and catch the laser, but Professor Nine's underlings had trained her, sometimes painfully, back when she was still just a kitten, to ignore that particular instinct. One day when they were training her perhaps a bit too violently, the large thin cat had appeared once again and said, Six. Only once had she been overwhelmed by her desire to catch the red laser. Five. She had learned her lesson. The man on the table yelled and snapped the black cat's attention back to the present. I'll escape from this yet, Nine. You will not leave, Mr. Clamp, but I expect you will split. <laughs> and with that, Professor Nine left the room. The black cat had seen this or similar scenarios play out several times over the weeks, months, since she had been brought to Professor Nine's volcano hideout. Strange men would come in who were not wearing the blue jumpsuits or white lab coats that the rest of the men who lived in the volcano wore. Once they were captured, Professor Nine would call for the black cat. One of the men in the blue jumpsuits would come to fetch her from the room she was kept in and bring her to the professor. 
He would sit in a high-backed chair in a dimly lit room facing the wall and wait. When the stranger was finally brought to him, he would slowly turn to face him while stroking the black cat gently, and then say something like, Good evening, Mr. Bland. Or, We meet again, Nightbat. Or, You have come a long way for nothing, little orphan Emily. The strangers would talk back and forth for a while with Professor Nine, but it would always end the same. The professor would flip the switch and leave the room just after saying something like, After this, you will be half the man you used to be. Or, No, I don't expect you to talk. I expect you to scream. And not for ice cream, either. They weren't always great. And now you will be cut in half by a laser. After that, it was always the same. The hum of the laser, various amounts of screaming, crying or pleading, some awful wet sounds, and then it was over. The cat would be taken back to her room to wait until next time. The long periods of solitude were not particularly enjoyable, but they were better than being left to starve on a city street. Still, she felt like things should be different than this. Was this the kind of life her brothers and sisters had been adopted into as well? She suspected it was not. The people who had taken them away had all held them close and looked at them lovingly. The only times the black cat was given any affection at all were in those moments when Professor Nine would turn dramatically in his chair, and even then it felt more like affectation than affection. But worst of all were these days when the strangers would come and the black cat would be left to watch as the laser would slowly, slowly cut them in two. She did not like the sound of the laser, a high-pitched whine and a low rumble at the same time. Worst of all, though, was the screaming. The black cat hated the screaming very much. The man currently locked to the table was more stoic than most had been. He wasn't screaming yet, but once the laser made contact, everyone screamed. The cat watched as it inched closer, closer. She did not want to hear the screaming again. She decided to make sure she would not. The black cat jumped down from her master's chair, trotted across the room, jumped up onto the table, then jumped again toward the laser. She smacked it with her paw as she passed. The beam swung down and around, sliced through the bond holding the stranger's left arm to the table. The man brought the wristwatch on his left arm up to his mouth where he activated another laser on it. He used the watch laser to cut the bonds holding his other arm and his feet and then he was free. That's a good kitty. Now when I activate my watch beacon, the other agents of Bro will be here in no time. The stranger went to the door, kicked it open, and ran out into the hall. The cat followed. It's club! He's escaped! One of the two men in the blue jumpsuit stationed at the door pressed a large red button next to him. More terrible loud noises. After her misbehavior and now this, the cat knew it was time to put her days residing in the volcano lair behind her. As she ran down the hallway, she could hear the stranger fighting with the man in blue jumpsuits behind her. Yahtzee! Here's a pair of fives for your Yahtzee! She found her way to a stairwell and made her way down the stairs. She headed toward the volcano's main entrance, but stopped 20 feet away from it when she saw the doors were closed. How could she get out? She scratched her left ear with her back leg as she considered this question. 
But the question answered itself as the doors blew inward and swarms of men wearing all black and brandishing large guns poured in. Go, bro! More noise. The alarm kept ringing. Men in blue jumpsuits emerged from all doors, and everyone kept shooting. Amidst all the chaos and gunfire, there it was. The huge, thin, grim cat. Four. There was still noise and danger on all sides, so the black cat decided she might as well head in the direction she wanted to go. Out. Professor Nine appeared through a door and spotted her. That's it, my dark feline! Get them! Scratch their eyes out! The black cat ran toward the strangers wearing black, jumped over the rubble around the doors that had blown in, darted around the strangers' feet, and out the door. She could hear her former master calling to her. Hey, you missed them! Hey, kitty kitty! kitty. Soon, she could no longer hear him and she ran deeper and deeper into the surrounding forest. All the sounds of the battle behind her began to fade. Eventually, there was one final longer explosion, and then no more. When her heart stopped racing, the black cat found a hollow log to hide in and sleep until she felt safe again to travel under the cover of darkness. She woke hours later to the sounds of crickets chirping. She poked her head out and looked up at the full orange moon. Something shot across it. A bird? Her tail twitched at the thought. Then, faster than she could react, whatever it was dove down quickly toward her. It was a woman riding something. A tree branch with many small twigs at one end. The woman was dressed all in black and wore a strange, tall, pointed hat. Well, 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 my pretty. I saw you move out of the corner of my eye and thought you might be a rat. But you're better than that, my dearie. You're just what I've been looking for. <laughs> Hello, this is the VoxBot 5000 interrupting the story for a moment to share some fun facts about cats. A group of cats is known as a clouder. People who own cats are one-third less likely to suffer heart attacks. People who own cats are three times more likely to suffer cute attacks. Brian Setzer named his band the Stray Cats because he is in fact 12.5% cat, and all of the band members have been spayed or neutered. Unlike what that SOB Garfield would have you believe, real cats do not hate Mondays, nor even have any knowledge of what day of the week it is. Cats with extra toes are known as polydactyls. Cats with wings and co-blood that lived millions of years ago and were actually dinosaurs and not cats at all are known as pterodactyls. Cats are fluffy. While it is possible a cat scratch could give you a fever, I think Ted Nugent may be talking about something else entirely. Here are some words that rhyme with cat. Nat. Sat. Bat. Fat. Jump and Jehoshaphat. Cats totally knew about that band you like way before you were into them. A cat with three legs is known as a three-legged cat. Do you know what sound a cat makes? Meow, meow, meow. Cats build Stonehenge. Cats, is there anything they can't do? Yes, drive stick shift, whistle, taste sweets, and put up with your BS. Cats. And now, I am delighted to introduce our special musical guest, Joey English, with the song Black Cat.
I am the black cat of the neighborhood Bathing in the gutter, cause there I was put When I step into the night, I give the mayor a fright Cause I misunderstood Well, I was born in the alley of sticks and stones I never had a language other than my own I learned to survive off a thick jawbone And had to sleep at night with one eye drawn I am the black cat Walk around the neighborhood The black cat, oh, the black cat And I misunderstood When the sun goes down you shine your headlights down my street I'm gonna give you a black cat look Just like you gave me the broom And I was searching for love Just like my mama left me When I was just a cub I am the black cat Walk around the neighborhood The black cat Oh, the black cat And I misunderstood there's one more thing I'd like to say before I slip into the night Before you eat your warm meal by your warm fireside Before you call the police, depose me Southside, I'm gonna stick around Spray this town, litter these grounds with my tail held high I am the black cat With your nose higher than your crew could I am the black cat I'm misunder, I'm misunder I'm Daddy-o, I'm hip to what you are laying down. And now, I return you to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic story time presentation of Thrice the Brinded Cat Hath Mude. The black cat clung tightly with her claws to the twigs fastened to the back of the witch's... What had she called it? Her broomstick as they flew through the air. The cat did not like the sensation of flying one bit, the cold rush of wind, the dizzying height, and worst of all, the complete lack of control. They landed at last on a hillside. The witch picked up the black cat and placed her gently over one of her shoulders. She waved a hand and several small trees bowed to one side, revealing a dark entrance to a cave. The witch carried the cat into the cave and the trees straightened up behind them. She waved her hand again, and a large boulder rolled aside, revealing another passageway. This, too, they entered, and the boulder righted itself once more. Beyond the boulder was a pleasant room inside the cave, nicely furnished with handmade wooden chairs and tables. Gas lamps illuminated the room clearly, and elaborate tapestries hung on the walls. 
At the center of the room was a large pot and a very old woman in a hooded black cloak hunched over it, stirring and fussing over its contents. Greetings, Sister Hestia, said the witch carrying the black cat. Oh, hello. Greetings, Sister Hela, said the old crone. What eldritch concoction are you preparing in our cauldron now, old woman? The old hag pulled her stick out of the cauldron, and it was covered with a ball of bright pink string densely wrapped. Cotton candy! (laughs) Not again, sister. You've only got two teeth left as it is. So what? You don't need teeth for cotton candy anyway. That's not what I'm saying. What have you got there, dearie? This, my new cat. She's going to be my familiar. The hag leaned in close and peered at the black cat through one wild eye while squinting with the other. She certainly do have the right look, don't she? The old woman's breath was absolutely rancid, which the cat found more fascinating than repellent. She bobbed her head and flared her nostrils to take it in. <laughs> I think she likes me. I think she likes me. The black cat was not sure she was quite trying to indicate that. Here, kitty, kitty. Old Hestia cooked up a nice stew earlier today. Maybe you want to try some? The old woman stuck a ladle into a smaller pot on a nearby table and plopped some of the disgusting-looking gruel into a small bowl and placed it on the floor. The young witch set the black cat down on the floor next to it. It did not smell nor look terribly appetizing, but the cat was rather hungry. She took a small bite. It tasted awful, but she swallowed. The mysterious thin cat appeared before her once more. Three. The grim cat vanished again as the boulder door opened once more and a third witch entered the room. She was taller than the other two and wore a dress of deep purple covered in a black lace that resembled spider webbing. Her black hair was pulled up into a ponytail near the top of her head with elaborate braiding around it. Greetings, sisters. Greetings, Hadley. Greetings, Hadley. I see you've brought in another stray, Hela. Don't let it eat any of Hestia's slop. You know she's a terrible cook. Of course, I won't let her eat any again. Ugh! She ate some already? Well, you're cleaning it up when she hacks it up again later. In the months to come, the black cat did not find life with the three witches to be altogether unpleasant. She never touched Hestia's cooking again, but there were mice to be hunted, and the sisters expected her to do some hunting for them, too. There were rats and bats and stranger things to be caught in the caves. The witches would use parts of them in their concoctions. What they didn't need, the black cat was allowed to eat. The cave was a bit cramped, and there were no windows through which to look. That troubled her, but it was still preferable to fending for herself in the forest or the city streets. Occasionally, Hala would take her out for a whirlwind ride on her broomstick, and while that certainly created a better view... The cat never grew accustomed to the ride. Isn't this fun? <laughs> she only fell off the broomstick once, and fortunately landed on her feet. <laughs> said the grim cat. For you see, it doesn't really matter if you land on your feet if you fall far enough. 
One day, the black cat was alone with old Hestia in the cave when the hag suddenly dropped her stick into the cauldron and clutched at her chest. The crone fell to her knees and gasped for breath. <laughs> Curious why she was behaving in this manner, the black cat hopped down from the chair she'd been napping in and walked over to examine her. Cat! Cat! Call for help! Call Hela! Confused, the cat cocked her head slightly at the request. You're her familiar girl! Call Hela! She... She can help me! The cat understood now that the old woman was in distress, but had no idea what she was expected to do about it, and so started to lick one of her paws in order to wash her face. Call her cat! Call! And the old woman fell to the ground, dead. The strange thin cat did not come for her, or if it did, it was for old Hester alone to see. The black cat did not see any change, but she knew the old bat had flown. Some hours later, the boulder rolled aside and the other two witches returned together. Hestia! Hestia! Both knelt next to the old woman's body and quickly ascertained that she was deceased. Hela cradled the body and sobbed. Hadley walked to a chair, sat in it, and stared at the walls, her stony expression matching their surface. When Hela's sobs eventually faded into quiet whimpering, she spoke. We are but now two, sister. Dark nights are coming, important nights. For our power to be what it must, we must be three. First, we must honor our sister. Yes, we will perform the rites tonight, and tomorrow we must find a new sister. That night, the cave was filled with green fire and long shadows and strange voices coming out of the mouths of the witches. The black cat cowered in the corner behind the bristles of Hela's broomstick, but watched the proceedings with one eye, only closing it when the enormous smoky hand reached out. When she opened her eyes again, the old woman's body was gone. The next morning, Hela and Hadley left the cave in silence, taking their broomsticks with them. They did not return that day, nor the next. On the third day, the boulder slid aside and the two witches returned. Between them, they were holding up a third woman with stringy black hair. A long vine was wrapped tightly several times over and around the woman's arms and chest. She looked stunned. The cat was chewing on a bat she had caught for her lunch when they arrived, and she meowed at them to protest being left alone for so long. Look at that! My familiar's already got a bat wing for us! She must have known we'd need it for what's to come! Hela reached down and snatched the wing away from the cat, who protested again. Please, please let me go! I've done nothing to you! Pleaded the bound woman. The cat looked at her for the first time. She had a long pointed nose and an equally sharp chin with a large round wart at its tip. 
Her eyes were small and black and sat closely together. Quiet, sister. This is your home now. The black cat scratched her head in confusion. Wasn't one simply born with sisters? She didn't think you could go out and pick one up and carry it home like a mouse in your teeth. I am not your sister! Hadley flicked her fingers and the vines tied around the woman reached out and grabbed a chair. They pulled the chair over to the woman and then tied her tightly to it. She'll need convincing. Of course, the bat wing is a start, but there are more ingredients to be gathered. And no time to be wasted. A wave of the hand, the roll of the boulder, and the witches were gone again, leaving the black cat alone with the strange crying woman tied to a chair. The cat walked over, sat in front of her, and stared up into her black eyes. After a very long time, the cat called to her. The woman looked down at the cat. She was terrified and needed someone to speak to. I don't want to hurt people. I'm a nurse for God's sake. I want to help people. Can they really do it? Can their potions really make me think like... act like them? The cat did not like seeing the woman so sad and afraid. She hopped up onto her lap, hoping to be of some comfort. Witches. Real witches. God, isn't that rich? All my life, all my life, people have been teasing me that I'm a witch. I know I'm not pretty. I know I... But I'm not a witch. I'm not like them. The cat understood very little of what the woman said, and yet her words struck a chord deep within her. Something about what the woman had said had touched her and troubled her and bothered her in a way she had felt bothered for a long time. (laughs) That's a nice cat. Thank you. My name's Haley. I want... I want to go home. I want to go home to my family. I fear they really can make me like them. I have to get out. I have to get out of this place. Without understanding every word, the cat intuited the intent perfectly, and she wanted to help. She pawed at the vines. With the witches gone, they were lifeless once more. Yes. Please. Can you help? Can you help me? She could. Her claws and her teeth were both quite sharp, and it took little time for her to shred the vines enough so that Haley could snap them herself and escape from the chair. The chair, however, was the least of her problems. She was still trapped in the room. She went to the boulder and pushed at it. She grunted and strained, but it was of no use. It did not budge in the slightest. After all she had been through, it did not take long for Haley's strength to leave her. She sat on the floor next to the boulder and sobbed. The cat, however, was not quite ready to give up. Not only did she want to help Haley escape, but she knew the sisters would quickly surmise that she had cut the vines and be furious with her. She had to escape as well. She had seen them do it so many times. Could she? She squinted her bright green eyes in determination and stared at the boulder. She raised her paw in front of her and waved. To her shock, the boulder rolled aside, and waiting on the other side were Hala and Hadley, returned from their expedition, arms laden with bags full of stinky, wriggling supplies. They had not expected to see their captive free of her bonds, and the moment of confusion 
brought her a chance. Haley shoved the women aside and ran out. Hadley quickly recovered and reached out after her. Though she did not touch her, when she pulled her arm back, Haley came flying back into the room, knocking into Hadley and toppling them both to the ground, where they began to grapple against one another. Close the door! Hadley commanded. Hala regained her wits, waved her hand, and the boulder began to slide shut. Haley kicked Hadley away from her, turned, and quickly ran out. The black cat, knowing this was her only chance, leapt and followed her through the passageway, the tip of her tail passing just before it slammed shut. A lightning bolt, presumably fired by one of the witches, shattered the boulder into a million tiny rocks behind the cat. In front of her, the now familiar sight of the disturbing thin cat with the white facial markings appeared again. That's one. Just one left. With no time to consider the meaning of the words, the black cat jumped straight through the vision as it disappeared. She squeezed around the trunks of the trees, hiding the cave entrance just as Haley was doing the same. The two jumped out into the forest at the same time. They could hear the witches following behind them. Come back, sister! You belong with us! In a moment, the witches would be out and upon them. They could both feel it. Ah! Don't tell me what I am! And with that, several trees nearby uprooted out of the ground and hovered in the air. Several rocks and boulders began floating, too. Stay away from me! Haley yelled furiously towards the cave, and all the floating trees and rocks hurtled forward, through the trees that hid the entrance and into the mouth of the cave. Neither waited to see if that was the end of them or not. Haley, sobbing in shock, rage, and confusion, ran one way. The black cat, eager to put the whole affair behind her, ran the other. She traveled alone through the forest for days, finding little to eat, usually just bugs, once a small shrew. It was cold, and she would need to find better shelter soon. One late afternoon, while crossing a branch above a small stream, the branch snapped and the black cat fell into the water below. She quickly jumped out of the stream, but hated the feeling of being drenched. She shook off what water she could and pressed on. She crossed through an iron fence and into an open field with strangely shaped stones jutting out of the ground in neatly ordered rows. One of the stones had been carved in such a way to resemble a woman with wings coming out of her back. Some of the stones had the remains of batches of flowers lying at their base long since dead and withered. There were carvings on all the stones. Cold rain tinged with ice began to fall. She shuddered and looked up at the dark grey clouds above. And then, appearing sitting atop one of the stones, was the mysterious, grim, large black and grey cat with the peculiar white markings on its face. The black cat's eyes widened in fear. The grim cat dropped down from its stone and began to walk slowly toward her. She turned to the right and ran. The black cat could feel her little heart pounding from fear and weary exertion as she raced through the stony field. She dared not look back, but could feel the ethereal presence of the grim cat following behind her. She jumped between the bars of the iron fence. Ahead, there was a large old house. Smoke billowed out of the chimney, and an orange light shone from within one of the downstairs windows. The black cat ran up the stone walkway and threw herself against the wooden door. She meowed once. And then, all of her strength spent, she collapsed. She could see the grim cat approaching. It was too large to squeeze through the iron bars of the gate, as she had, and instead simply passed straight through them, 
and continued to walk slowly toward her. Across the yard it came, its red eyes locked with her slowly closing greens. It stepped onto the stone walkway, its long hair blowing gently in the wind. Closer and closer it came. The black cat had never killed before the first time she saw the large mysterious cat, back when she was just a frightened kitten freezing on a street corner. Since living with the witches, though, there had been the mice, rats, and bats. Now, at last, she realized what the white markings reminded her of. They looked every bit like a skull. The other cat placed its right forepaw on the step of the house when the door finally creaked open. The black cat turned her head slowly toward the opening door. There were two men standing there, both dressed sharply in black suits and black coats. The taller, stockier, bearded man wore a round bowler hat. The shorter, thinner, clean-faced man wore a tall top hat. I told you, brother, I heard something bang at the door, said the man in the bowler. It's a cat, said the man in the top hat. The man in the bowler knelt down next to the black cat and cradled her in his arms like a baby. The poor dear, she's all wet and freezing cold. We should take her inside, Brother Bentley. We should keep her forever, Brother Jameson. A beauty like her? Someone must own her, yes? Someone must be looking for her. Well, then they should have taken better care of her. But I suppose you're right. If someone comes calling for her, we must give her back. And if they don't? Then she can stay. And then the man in the bowler hat, much to the surprise of the cat, his brother, and even himself, leaned down towards the cat's head and kissed her between the ears. Now then... If you are to stay here, there will be some stipulations, the man in the bowler hat said. Ah, here it comes, the cat thought. There's always a catch. Would she be forced to watch grisly executions again? Hunt for strange ingredients? You will be required to sit by the fire and listen while my brother and I tell all manner of stories, said the man in the top hat. Now then... Let's get you dried off. And find you something to eat. The man in the bowler hat lifted the black cat up so that she could perch her forepaws on his shoulder while he held the bulk of her body to his chest. She looked around the house. Dark wood, shadows to hide in, furniture to climb, plenty of windows through which to stare out. How does that all sound? And then... The black cat felt something strange, and heard an odd noise she had never heard before. It was a low, rumbling noise, and a shaking feeling. It seemed to be coming from her own chest. Do you hear that, brother? She's purring. As they walked down the hall toward the kitchen, the black cat looked over the man in the bowler hat's shoulder and out the front window. The large cat with the skull-faced markings was still there, staring at her. But a gust of wind came, and he was gone. It had not spoken a word, and it did not take her with it. There was another new sound. Hear that, brother. Midnight comes. (laughs) Indeed she does. Do you like that name? Asked the man in the bowler hat, turning his face to her. In response, 
Midnight purred even louder as he stroked her head gently. Inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic story time presentation of the stroke of midnight or wait a minute. What is it, Voxbot? How do you know any of this? How do we know any of what? If she just showed up on your door, how do you know all of those things that happened to her before? Well, she told us. Oh. You have been listening to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic story time presentation of the stroke of Midnight Or. Hold on. Now what is it? How did she tell you? Midnight can't talk. She told us with her eyes. Now just read the credits. Yes, masters. You have been listening to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic story time presentation of the stroke of midnight, or you only live nine times, written by Brody H. Throcky, and starring Brody H. Throcky as Bentley Brimble Banks, and Justin Didovic as Jameson Brimble Banks. This story featured the voice talents of Heather Wing as Hala and the photographer, Kryn Hess as Hadley, Amanda Birch as Haley, Ryan N. Wilcox as Mr. Clamp, Yatsee Henchman, and Bros. Patrick Johnson is the clumsy man, Yahtzee Henchman, Bros, and the Grim Cat. Grayson Wilcox is the little girl, with Brody H. Sprocky as Professor Nine and additional voices, and Justin Vidovic as Hestia and additional voices. This episode's commercial, Cat Blocker, was written by Brody H. Sprocky and starred Patrick Johnson and Heather Wing. This episode's song was Black Cat written and performed by Joey English. You can hear and download lots more of his folksy bluesy music by Joey at joeyenglish.net. Some places you can go to help out Black Cats include www.blackcatrescue.com, a Nuggill Cat Rescue Organization in Boston, www.chicagocatrescue.org, which holds the annual event Sexy Black, a benefit to raise awareness for black cats and dogs, or just check out your local Humane Society where they probably have a lucky black cat just waiting for you. Until next time, this is the VoxBot 5000 for the Brimble Banks Brothers saying, I still say it doesn't make any sense that they know what happened to the cat before it got here. VoxBot! <laughs>